Today we're going to be all over the Bible. Typically we preach through the books of the Bible verse by verse. Uh, but over the next four weeks, what we're going to be doing is looking at different names of Jesus. This season is about Christ's advent into the world, his coming, the great event of what he's done for us on the cross and the hope of his second coming. Uh, so since this is, this is the season of Advent, we're going to be focusing in on the different names of Christ. So I'm going to ask if you would rise for the reading of the Word of God. We've got a long passage today. John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is the word of the Lord. This passage in John chapter 8 is a very fascinating passage whenever you think about what was going on. There are three different times that Jews in the region would travel to Jerusalem for different feasts, for different festivals. Uh, This particular feast that Jesus was attending was called the Festival of Booths or the Festival of Tabernacles. And one of the things that would happen during the Festival of Tabernacles is they would set up these giant candlesticks called menorahs in the temple. Now, they're not, not, they're not like our little candles over here that, that are apparently electric, although I don't think you could have told unless Neil like, spilled the beans here. Uh, these menorahs that they set up in the temple were 75 feet tall. They were fed by oil. And if you know the menorahs, there's just not one flame. There's multiple flames on these menorahs. And, and not only that, there were four of these. So the history books tell us and the sources that I read tell us that whenever they would light these menorahs, these 75-foot-tall candlesticks on the Temple Mount, what it would happen is it would light up the entire temple. It would light up the streets of Jerusalem. It would light up the entire hill where Jerusalem stood. And I want you to imagine in this setting, Jesus standing up in the court of women where these, where these candlesticks were that were set up, and Jesus with all this light shining around him, saying, I am the light of the world. Jesus was talking about how he was the hope who was to come. We are told that during this festival, the different men run around the streets with other flames as well, and they would be singing psalms. They were rejoicing in God, rejoicing in the hope of a Messiah to come. And here was Jesus saying, in the middle of all this, I am the light of the world. We have this idea in Scripture that hope is very much tied to light. That where you see light, you see the creativity of God, and you see the hope that God brings to the world. And we see this in all of life, right? I mean, I feel like my children's rooms, uh, if you go into them in the middle of the night, you'd think it's daytime because there are so many nightlights. Uh, they don't like the dark. The dark creeps in and encroaches in. It's, it's fearful. And so they bring light. Think of a ship out at sea, that whenever the ship is out at sea and it doesn't know where it's going, maybe the navigation is out, especially back in the day, maybe the stars were hid. And then you have the hope of the lights on the shoreline, showing you that you are close to your destination. Or if you're a Lord of the Ring fan, the greatest Christmas movie ever, where you have a man with long white beard, elves giving gifts, very much a Christmas movie. Um, 
But you have the, the battle of Helm's Deep. Y'all remember that battle, those of you who like it? Where you have darkness coming in. You almost feel like the darkness is going to overrun those who are good. But then on the third day, at dawn, when the light is breaking over the hills, you have, you have rescue coming. Darkness seems to defeat and overcome, but light dispels the darkness. And that what, that's what Jesus is saying here when he's saying that he is the light of the world. And so what we want to do this morning is we want to look at this theme of light throughout Scripture. Where do we see light? What does it represent? What was it, does it teach us about God's work in our world? So our first passage that we want to look to is found in Genesis chapter 1. This is what it says in Genesis 1, 1 through verse 4. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless. And it was empty, it was void. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. When we first see creation and this act of creation, what we see is the earth was formless and void. It was formless. It had no order to it. It was void. It had no fullness. It had no life in it. And God saw it. And it's the only time that God is involved in something where he he didn't say this is good. He looked at it and it said it still needs something else. So God was going to continue his creative process. And the first thing he does is he says, let there be light. And light came into existence and it's dispelled the darkness. I think whenever we look at the earth prior to light, we see that it had no form, and it had no fullness, no order, and it had no life. And it had darkness covering the face. What this is, it's a picture of chaos. It's a picture of of, of disorder. Um, I don't know if we have any Marvel fans here. Um, I'm a fan, especially now that I have Disney+. Plus. I can go back and watch all the things I haven't seen. Uh, and whenever I was reading this passage of this, this chaotic world, without form, without life, the, the picture I had in my mind was, was that of, of Thanos in his realm. Do you all remember this? It's in the Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. And here's Thanos, this, this almost god of war in the Marvel comic series. And this is his realm, where you have these chunks of something floating in space with no light, no life. It's a picture of disorder that he brings. And we find that where there is darkness, what we have is disorder and chaos. But then God stepped into the picture and he said, let there be light. And, and the chaos began to dissipate, began to, to disappear. What is this light? This light is God's creative work under the rule of God. I think when we think about our lives, and darkness is always a picture of sin and corruption that exists in this world. I think when we look at our lives, as I said earlier, I feel like most of us can probably say, yeah, we feel that that darkness is out there. We feel it coming in. We flip on the news or we read the news and we read just about the polarization of everything. We feel like our country and the entire world is about to rip itself apart. 
when we look at our relationships, we feel like, man, there's just something not right. This isn't how it was meant to be. We feel that darkness. It's because that darkness brings disorder and it brings chaos. But when we look at Genesis chapter 1, that's not the picture of the world that God established. Let's look, let's look at it. Whenever we read Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, and we see this world that God created, he brought life to it. What did he do after that? We see that he began to dispel the formlessness of it. And he began to give the world form. He, he separated the waters from the land. He separ- he, and then he began to fill those, right? He filled birds in the air, fish in the sea, land animals on the ground. And he began to put form to it. And he began to put fullness into it. So when we think about that and think, what did God intend? What did God want when he created the world? We see a life full of fullness and life. We have the fullness of life where the earth was teeming with plants, with animals all over the place. We see, we see that there was a fullness of relationship. That with Adam and Eve, it says that there was no shame between them, but that they were one flesh. They were united together. Think about that. This marriage, there was, there was no passive aggressiveness going on. There was no disorder. There was no distrust. It was just a picture of perfect relationship, fullness of relationship. And then there's also a fullness of work. And I think sometimes we forget about that because oftentimes I think when we think of work, we think of work as a curse itself, right? We think, oh, work. We think of work as a means to an end. This is what I have to do in order to pay my bills, eat food, and enjoy life. But when we look to Scripture, what we find is work existed before sin. That God gave us work to do as a part of His good creation. But work for us at that point was different. It wasn't, it wasn't frustrating. It wasn't... It, it wasn't, so, so in this agricultural society, it wasn't full of thorns and thistles. But work brought complete fullness because it was what God intended for us to do. Could you imagine work being that? That is a picture of, of a world full of light that God created. We see a parallel in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, where it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through Him. And apart from Him, not one thing was created that had been created. What was it saying? It's saying that the Word created everything. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Jesus did everything that I just talked about. That dispelling the darkness, that bringing order to chaos, creating a world full of life and fullness of relationship and fullness of work, that was all done by Jesus. But we know that is not the world we live in now. Instead of enjoying the earth that we have, oftentimes we abuse it. Instead of having relationships that are full of of fullness in life, we find that there is brokenness and distrust. 
And instead of work being a fulfilling act that God has called us to do, we find it more as the enemy than as a blessing that God meant it to be. The book of Romans says that all of creation is under this groaning, is under this weight of darkness. And that leads us to our second point we see in Scripture, is that there is a reality that darkness exists. There's a reality that darkness exists. The book of Isaiah chapter 59 verse 9 says this, Therefore, justice is far from us, and righteousness does not reach us. We hope for light, but there is darkness. We hope for brightness, but we live in the night. Isaiah, in this verse, is correctly describing the world we live in. That we hope for light, but there is darkness. We hope for brightness, but we feel like we are living in the night And this is described in Genesis chapter 3 when God's good creation and Adam and Eve rebelled against God. Think about that. We, many of us probably know the story. If not, I'll I'll try and summarize it in an acceptable way. We have the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. God's perfect relationship uh, with, with Adam and Eve in a human relationship. And they had a perfect relationship with God. They had a perfect relationship with the earth lived on. Until one day, a serpent came and deceived them. And they said, if you want to be like God, you have to rebel against God. That's essentially what they were saying. If you want to be God, they were, the serpent was essentially trying to deceive them and saying, the way to become like God is to be a God yourself, is to push against him and do things your own way. And we are told in that chapter that Adam and Eve believed the serpent and began to rebel against God. And what happened when that happened is that the whole earth fell under a curse. All the fullness that we describe, the fullness of life began to go back into chaos. The fullness of relationship was broken. And it said that Adam and Eve started to feel ashamed with one another. And then we see the, the brokenness of work, where work became a drudgery rather than a blessing. We see that darkness came back into the world. Jesus had this conversation with a man named Nicodemus in chapter 3 of John. And he says this in verses 19 through 20. He says, this is the judgment. Light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. I think most of this people in this room, we would love to have this idea that darkness is something that is out there. That darkness is something that is invading in. But what Scripture says is that that is true, that darkness is out there, that it is coming in. But it also tells us the truth that there is a reality of darkness that is also within us. That darkness reigns in our hearts and that when we live, we do dark or evil deeds. And I love this passage in John chapter 3, in part because this is right after the hope he gives in John 3.16 where he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Right? We have that that beautiful verse there, but then he talks about the reality of the world that we live in here. 
And I think when we look at the verse that's up here on the screen, we can answer a few questions. We can ask the question, why do we love darkness rather than the light? Why do we, the people in this room, the people in this community, the people in this world, why do we love the darkness? That sounds so counterintuitive to us because we're like, no, we don't like the darkness. We don't like the brokenness. But the truth is we do love the darkness. And he explains why we love the darkness. He says we love the darkness because our deeds are evil. The darkness is not just out there. That The darkness is in here and then he goes on, he says that we love the darkness rather than the light because our deeds are evil. And then it says that we avoid the light in this passage. Why do we avoid the light? And the reason we avoid the light of God's word, the reason why we avoid the light of the gospel, the reason we avoid the light of Christ in our life is because we are afraid that our darkness will be exposed. Darkness reigns in our heart. We love our dark deeds and we run from truth so that our deeds will not be exposed. How do we avoid the light? How do we hide in the darkness? I think we do it in a few different ways. I want you to hear me out here and say, yeah, that's the one that I do. How do we avoid our darkness or avoid the light? One of the ways we avoid the light is I think that we justify the darkness. When we do an evil or a dark deed, we justify it by saying, well, they did this, so it's okay for me to do what I'm about to do. Or this is my situation, and normally I wouldn't do that thing, but the situation, really, I have no other choice. Or we justify our dark and evil deeds by saying things like, well, I've earned it. I deserve this I'm desiring. We avoid the light by justifying our darkness. We avoid the light by hiding our darkness. The whole idea and concept of a church is that we are living in community under the authority of Christ. But it is so easy, even in a church our size, to hide our darkness by not being known. It's so easy to hide our darkness by, by having the appearance of community. Well, I'm there on Sunday mornings, but then not really knowing one another. So the way that we hide our darkness is not just by justifying our darkness, but by, by isolating ourselves and hiding the darkness. I think the other way we deal with the light and try to hide from the light is we make the darkness our identity. It's almost like we're trying to hide our darkness in plain sight. And we claim what I'm doing, though it says it's wrong in Scripture, we are going to say that it's who I am, that it's what I'm about and I can't change. I think our minds oftentimes goes to sexuality on this. But I think this is also done a lot with personality. Well, I'm, I'm just a blunt person. I've got to speak this way. And we, we identify ourselves by brokenness and by darkness, trying to avoid the light. I think we have to ask the question amongst ourselves, is what is our darkness? 
if it is true that darkness reigns in each and every one of our hearts, even as Christians, there is still some darkness there. We know the sins that are in our hearts. What is our darkness? What is our sins? And to know those sins, you know what we have to do? We have to expose our heart and our lives and our actions and our thoughts to the word of God. Time and time again in the book of Psalms, chapter 119, he describes the word of God as light. And just as when God spoke light into existence, you know what it did? It dispelled the darkness. It separated the darkness. It showed what was light and what was darkness. When we expose our hearts and our minds to the word of God, it exposes the light and darkness in our hearts and minds. Are you exposing your hearts, your actions, your words, are you exposing them to the word of God? How are you avoiding the light? So many of us are happy with the darkness that we live in. But it's also true that sometimes we get to the end of our rope with the darkness. Don't we? We realize that the things that we've been chasing in our lives don't actually satisfy that the things that we've been hoping for, we finally might get them. And we realize we're the exact same person as we were before. We don't change. We're always thinking that we'll change, don't we? I was talking about this with someone the other day. And I thought every, whenever I was in like junior high and high school, I always thought at the end of the summer, this year's going to be different. I'm going to be different. And then... I finished high school and I was about to go to college and I said, all right, when I go to college, I'm going to be different and things are going to be different. And then when I graduated college, I said, it's a new time. It's a new change. I'm going to be different. But you know what was always the same? I was always the same. It doesn't take a change of circumstance. What it takes is a change of heart. I think some of us have got to the end of our darkness and said, this darkness is not going to satisfy me. But it is bringing chaos in my life. And what I want is hope and peace and love and joy. Yes, there is reality that darkness exists in the world. But there is also the reality that there is hope due to Jesus, who is the light of the world. It says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, also in Matthew chapter 4, it says this, People who live in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. If you felt like that darkness is crashing in on you, know that dawn has arrived. Know that, that there is light that is shining in the darkness. There is hope for what you are going through. There is hope for who you are. That hope is found in Jesus Christ. This was our verse that we started off with. Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me, anyone who believes in me, anyone who who, who makes me their Lord will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. If you're a brother or sister in Christ, know this. Know that the darkness does not have the last word. Know that even though you might feel like darkness is coming in on side in this moment, Jesus said, Jesus promised, 
you will have the light of life. That hope exists. I think back to Jesus standing in front of those giant menorahs, shining light all over the darkness of the Middle East there. And I think about what they were celebrating. The festival of booths, the festival of tabernacles. What that festival celebrated was how God rescued a people, how he rescued Israel from slavery in Egypt. And he brought them to a promised land. And the whole reason that they put up these booths, they put up these tents, the reason they did that during this celebration was because they were remembering their travels from Egypt to the promised land. And during that travel, you know what you know what happened? What you had was a pillar of fire in the middle of the camp of Israel. And that pillar of fire that went from the ground to the heavens represented the light of God with them. That God was present in the midst of his people. And we are told that when the Israelites were traveling from Egypt to the promised land, that God overcame their enemies. That God provided food. That God provided water. We are told that their shoes and their sandals did not wear out. And that the whole time they were traveling, there was a hope of a promised land. I think one of the things that we need to realize is that when we celebrate Jesus as the light of the world, and we celebrate this Advent day of, of hope, we have to remember that Jesus is that column of light in the wilderness, that he is God with us, that he is the one going before us, defeating our enemies, defeating the enemy of sin, of slavery, of darkness in our life. And that Jesus is giving us a hope for a coming kingdom. This Advent that we celebrate during this time is a double Advent. We celebrate the Advent that has already been accomplished in the coming of Jesus Christ. Of his suffering death on the cross. Of how his, sin, his, his blood covers our sins and makes us right with God. But we also celebrate Advent and this idea of hope for his second coming. And his second coming dispels all darkness. And that fullness of life that we saw in the garden. Of an earth teeming with life. Of relationship full of, of being unashamed and perfect relationship and this, this perfect relationship with work, that is what is coming when Jesus comes again. So what do we need to do? This is our application for the week, for the day. I think the first thing we need to do is we need to acknowledge the darkness, confess it, and turn from it. We need to acknowledge the fact that we are broken. And I don't care how holy you have become in your walk with Christ. There is still darkness there to dispel. So we need to search out that darkness to expose it to light. We need to confess that darkness. And we need to turn from the darkness. Not only do we acknowledge the darkness, but I think we also need to accept the hope that we have in Jesus. If you do not know 
Christ. If you do not know Jesus, if Jesus is not the center of your life, if he is not your hope, I'd love to talk with you more about that after the service. As Christians, we believe that Christ is the answer to the world's problems. The answer to the world's problems is not in politics. The answer to the world's problems is not in in culture. The answer to the world's problems is not in the stuff or in the life that we build for ourselves. The answer is Christ, and so we accept Christ. And then what do we do? We repeat those things over and over again. We acknowledge our sin. We turn from it. We trust in Christ. We repeat. Just like what it says on, on, on my shampoo, the wash. Don't laugh. Got beard shampoo, my beard. It's, it's wash, rinse, and repeat on the shampoo. It's the same with a Christian life. We acknowledge our sin. We confess it. We turn from it. We trust in Christ. We repeat. When you wake up in the morning, you acknowledge your sin, you confess it, you turn from it, you trust in Christ, you repeat. You get in your car to go to work, you acknowledge your brokenness, you trust in Christ, you repeat. You are sitting in your office realizing that you're doing the right things and you're still not able to succeed the way you ought to. You might be doing the right things at work and you're punished as a result of it. You acknowledge the darkness in the world, the darkness in your life. You confess it. You trust in Christ. You repeat. You're getting frustrated with your children at home. You confess your darkness. You repent. You trust in Christ. You repeat. The Christian life is a cycle of acknowledging the darkness, turning from it, trusting in Christ. And repeating it. I invite you Christ Community Church. To be involved in this wonderful act of hope. This week. As we acknowledge the brokenness. As we trust in Christ. And as we repeat. Let's stand and pray.